0: Uma jnana dimilandasyan salakaya Chaksuru militan jena tasmai sri gurve namah Ajanulambato bhujo kanakavadato Sankitanayaka pitaro kamalaya taksho Vishpambaro dvijavaro yugadharma palo Pandeyjagat priyakaro karunna avutaro. Bande jagat priya karo karuna vataro Sri Gauri Vashnava Guru Parampara ki jai A.S. Bhakti Sami Swami Prabhupada ki jai Bhakti Raksha Sri Rajiv Goswami Maharaj ki jai Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasadhi Thakur Prabhupada ki jai Sri Sri Krishnarjun Arjun ki jai Simad Bhagavad Gita ki jai Gaur Bhaktavinda ki jai Goh Pramananda <laughs> Morning everyone
1: welcome. We're discussing from the seventh chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, and the seventh chapter begins the middle six chapters of the text, which are the chapters dealing directly with bhakti. In these chapters, the theology of the Bhagavad Gita is brought out. In the latter chapters more the metaphysics. In the first six chapters, some religious ideas are given, some knowledge of the soul in brief, that is elaborated upon in the final six chapters. So here the theology of Bhagavad Gita. Krishna began this chapter by speaking about pure devotion in these middle chapters of Bhagavad Gita. While the main topic is devotion, there are different shades of devotion. So he will speak about Karma Mishra Bhakti, Jnana Bhakti, Yoga Mishra Bhakti, shuddha Bhakti. These are just some general categories. Actually, in Bhakti Sandarbha, of Śrītīva Goswami, there are so many different types of bhakti, shades of bhakti that he mentions. Over 50, I think, maybe over 100. So we want pure devotion. So we should study these chapters to understand what is pure devotion, And if we're fortunate, we come to make that as our ideal. We have faith in this, Shraddha, and we can effectively tread the Bhakti Marg of pure devotion. So, in order to do that, we have to understand something about uh, theology. Who is God? In the first six chapters, Krishna has discussed Brahman and Paramatma. He's identified himself with these two features of the Absolute. And here, in these chapters, he's speaking about Bhagavan, this aspect of the divine, the Godhead, and he is that Bhagavan. And this kind of knowledge is very important to us, that Krishna is Bhagavan and Swayam Bhagavan, as you may know, the one line of Srimad Bhagavatam's, Krishna's two Bhagavan Jiva Goswami has described it as the Paribhasha Sutra of Srimad Bhagavatam. It means the key to understanding the whole of Srimad Bhagavatam. Krishna's two Bhagavan means Krishna is the original Supreme Personality of Godhead, source of all avatars. Tonight we'll be discussing the Vastunidesh shloka of Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is the shloka that tells the essence, essentially, of what Chaitanya Charitamrita is. Going to deal with. And in the course of explaining that sloka, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami draws from Srimad Bhagavatam Krishna's to Bhagavan Sayam and Brahma's prayers along the same lines that Kaviraj Goswami says is the Paribhasha sloka. They're really saying the same thing. What Sutta Goswami has said, Krishna's to Bhagavan Sayam has explained. In greater detail by Brahma in the 14th chapter in his prayers following the Brahma Vimohan Leela. So, as Chaitanya Charitamrita is the essence of Sumat Bhagavatam, this must be an important aspect of the book, Krishna's stu Bhagavan Swayam. Only well, he wants to add to that that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that same Krishna. So, if we want to love God, then we have to know who God is. and the more developed the conception of God, the more potential there is for loving exchange. This is the idea of Gaudiya Vaishnavas. So we come to Krishna, ultimately. Akila Rasamrita So He's speaking about himself here, his ontological position in this chapter. He told Arjuna first, pay close attention, mayyashakta yoga yogam yunjanmanashraya. With mind fixed on me and yoga practice, Hear what I'm going to say. What I'm going to say is such that upon hearing it, your doubts will be removed and you'll know me completely. Samshayam so Samagrammam. To know me completely means to know me as Bhagawan, and more so, so I'm Bhagawan, source of everything. So after mentioning that, there was an introductory verse to the chapter, which I mentioned last night, is invoked for getting our Arjuna's attention, securing the attention of the audience. Sometimes we have to say, so, now, pay attention. What I'm going to say at this moment is very important. He does that in the first verse, and the second verse, and the third verse. Three introductory verses. And in the third of the three introductory verses, the second he says, knowing this knowledge that I'm going to give you, there will remain nothing further to be known. And then he speaks of the rarity of this. He says, out of many thousands of people, someone may inquire about the truth, of life, pursue it. Out of thousands of those, one may come to know perfection of the soul, know the self, and out of those... Thousands of those one may know me. So this pure devotion has also been described by Srila Rupa Goswami as being suddhulabh, very rare, very find this in Bhagavad Gita also. Suddhulabhaprashantatma kotisvapi mahamuni. Bhagavatam says also the same. Muktanam apisiddhanam narayana parayana. Amongst thousands of siddhas, muktas, it's very hard to find Narayana Parayana, someone whose life is completely dedicated to Narayana. Studula kotisvapi Very rare. What to speak of Krishna Parayana? So much more rare. Even the Narayana Parayanas cannot understand Krishna Parayana. So we're after something very lofty here, and Krishna wants Arjuna to know that. Pay attention, he says. And then he describes his external energy and his marginal energy. His intermediate shakti means Jeev shakti and secondary shakti means his maya shakti. Krishna doesn't try to explain these shaktis in this chapter, but he just introduces them in the course of explaining himself, his ontological position. The actual exposition on the nature of Jeev shakti, maya shakti and so forth, that will come later on. Chapter 13 deals with this at some length. But in this chapter, Krishna merely introduces these two shaktis for the purpose of stating his own position. He describes these two shaktis and then he makes it clear that these two shaktis are what makes up the world, maya shakti and jiva shakti, their combination. What is the implication? And they are my shaktis and therefore the whole world is... Subordinate to me. So what does he say? Kinchidasti dhananjaya, Matap parataram dhananjaya. sutre He gives an example to help Arjuna understand how the whole world is resting on him. He says, like pearls on a thread. So if you tie a thread through the pearls and it supports them, it can hang nicely if you cut the thread, everything will fall. So if you fail to understand that everything is supported by Krishna, then everything is lost. Your life is a failure. He refers to Arjuna as dhananjaya, conqueror of wealth. So he wants him to win the wealth of this understanding that he's giving. Valadeva Vidyabhusana makes a nice comment in his Vedanta Sutra commentary, Govinda where he cites this verse. He says, So, is this Saguna Brahman speaking, or is this Nirguna Brahman? Saguna Brahman means Shankar's conception of Brahman. Shankar introduced uh, two tiers of Brahman in his Vedanta Sutra commentary in the first chapter, I think, 17th aphorism. And his whole philosophy revolves around this idea. It's a It's not found in the sutras themselves, but he imports this idea in to understand all of the scriptural statements that speak about the Supreme Lord, his form, qualities, and so forth, in this indirect way. He says, this is all saguna brahman, but the ultimate is the nirguna brahman. So, as I said, Baldev Vidibhushan, he makes this nice point in Vedanta Sutra, in his commentary there, and he says... So is this the Saguna Brahman speaking or the Nirguna Brahman speaking? Do you follow me? If it's the Saguna Brahman speaking, then he's saying there's, there's nothing higher than me, there's no truth higher than me. If it's the Nirguna Brahman speaking, then the Nirguna Brahman must have qualities, <laughs> because here he is standing here saying this. So Vaishnavas make much out of this verse. Mataparataram nanyat Kinchirasti Dananjaya. One of the places in Bhagavad Gita where Krishna very overtly states his supreme position as the supreme person. And standing there, sitting on the chariot of Arjuna in human like form, Krishna is saying, has just so all the whole world is just the interplay of my secondary and intermediate. Shakti, this is hard to understand, sitting there as the chariot driver of Arjuna, he's making this statement. Then he goes on to give so many examples, rasoham prabhashmi sasi suraya, so on, three, four, five, six verses. This way he said, I'm the taste in the water, the sound in the om, and so on and so forth. This is one of the sections, I think there may be three in Bhagavad Gita. Where Krishna explains himself in terms of Ibhuti's powerful manifestations of material nature. Bijamam, Savabhutanam, so forth. So he gives, tries to give some idea to Arjuna how it is that he is who he says he is. Although, as I mentioned, sitting on a chariot as, uh, just like a Arjuna's driver. And after discussing this, he says, All states of being, be they in goodness, passion or ignorance, are manifested by my energy. I am in one sense everything, but I am independent. I am not under the influence of the modes of nature. And then he says, Everyone is. Everyone under the influence of material nature is deluded, and they do not know me. So Arjuna may wonder, if this is your position, and why don't people become devoted to you? Actually, first Krishna says a very nice verse, and then Arjuna inquires like this, or wonders like this. After stating emphatically in so many verses his supreme position above the modes of nature, not understandable by those deluded by those modes of nature. He says, So he says, if you want to know me as I am, you have to cross over the gunamai, the modes of nature. These modes of nature, the gunas, they have been mentioned thus far in several places, but what they actually are constituted of and what their influence is in detail, specifically is described later in the final six chapters, perhaps chapter 14. There's a whole chapter dedicated to these very somewhat difficult to understand modes of nature. triguna trigunamai, they're threefold. So, sometimes the guna is translated as rope. And the idea is if you take rope strands, they are strands of, like strands of rope, or say, strands, and if you take three and you wind them together into one, it becomes very, very strong. We are bound by these modes of material nature in this way. They are strands, in another sense, of strands or qualities of material nature, a particular strand of material nature. And they are operative in the psyche of the individual, and they manifest in terms of physical Action, the modes of nature begin in an unmanifest state where they have balanced one another out. And when the Lord glances on them, saikshata, with the desire to become many, and give the jivas opportunity to know Him, they're in a homogeneous condition within the Mahavishnu. And He, out of love for the jivas, in a desire to become many, He glances at material nature with the glance of. The jīvas shakti and the jīvas become many. They move from a homogeneous condition to a heterogeneous condition. And as they develop in this regard, material nature starts to unfold by the activating of the modes of material nature. And then the living entities become bound by that material nature. The Lord gives the scripture. The Lord becomes himself as avatar, that the jīvas might meet their maker, This is his desire. But they're of the the stamp of himself being unit of consciousness, so they have some independence, some will, some free will. Though, unfortunately, they don't always understand the purpose of the Lord's manifestation of material nature, to the extent that sometimes they deny God altogether, or on the basis of its being inconsistent and apparently unjust and full of suffering, They fault God, or again, deny God. But the whole manifestation of the material world is an expression of Vishnu's love for the jivas, to give them an opportunity, as I said, to meet their maker. So these modes of nature, once they're manifest, then they kind of compete for influence over the jiva. They are like, sattva guna means something like intelligibility, Every object has some intelligibility by which it can be known, by which it makes itself known, and every object has some energy and some inertia. So Satvagun, Rajagun, Tamaguna on the physical level. And on the psychic level it manifests this clarity of thought, sattvaguna, the urge to act, this kind of energy stuff, passion, Rajaguna and uh, indolence, again, inertia, or psychically, a kind of ignorance, bewilderment, tamaguna. So all the jīvas bound by these, and Krishna says, I'm above them, and how to get above them oneself? Daibhī esha First he says, daibhī esha This material nature consisting of the modes, it has some divine backing, that's me. Again, it's not a bad place, the material world. only as much as we make it such. Behind it is the divine will of the Lord, which can only be for the goodness of all. But our resistance is the problem. So God is not to be blamed for the problems of the world. This is a theological issue that every system of theology has to deal with. Why there's evil in the world, but God is said to be all good. So In Godivaishnavism, it's... Understood in this way. Because the jivas are of a stamp of the Lord. It means they have consciousness like the Lord, a unit of will. So, potential for misuse arises. While he manifests the world for their good, they may come to know him and love him, be liberated and enters into it for that reason. The Vedas are manifest for that reason. Still, as we can see, we don't take advantage of it. And Krishna will discuss these kinds of people that don't take advantage of it. After this verse, when in this verse, Krishna is saying such a nice thing. He says, the material world has divine, my divine backing, daivihi I am behind it, you know, it has a good purpose. Understand it properly, and your life can be perfect. How will we understand it properly? By surrendering to Him, by acknowledging the divine backing behind it, seeing in relation to its divine backing. The only conclusion of which is, oh, He's so kind. So loving, I surrender to Him. The whole thing is manifest. Out of love for the Jeevas, I should surrender to Him. So Krishna says, It is my Maya, and it's very formidable. durateya. Once you get entangled in that, in the modes, and cannot see the purpose of it, then oh, it's very, very difficult to get out. But I'm saying here, that surrender to me, who am, as I have described, this person behind the whole show, although I'm sitting here on your chariot as the driver, this is my actual position. And with confidence, I tell you, and assuredly, Arjun, if you surrender to me the whole display of the mystic magic of material nature and the modes of nature, you'll see it's all a trick. It's like if you go to see a magician and he does some wonderful thing and You're dazzled by that. We're pressed to want to know, what's the trick? How did he do that? So the whole display of material nature is like a magic show. Very wonderful. And Krishna is the magician behind it. So if you surrender to Krishna, you can know the trick of Maya. Then you will not be fooled by that anymore. People are going to the show, seeing the magician. But if you know the trick, then it no longer has any charm. So we're being tricked by Maya, so we keep going and and paying the fare. But if we find out what is the trick behind it, then no longer it has any charm. So Krishna says, Although it is difficult to cross over, if you surrender to me, then it becomes easy to cross over. So Krishna is indicating here that his position is very special and unique. Even there may be other avatars of the Lord, whom surrendering to one can get released from material nature. The method of surrendering to Krishna is very easy in comparison. So easy means the higher the manifestation of the Lord, and in one sense we would think the more difficult it is to approach. But the easier it is because the gradation in terms of higher and lower is in terms of the Lord's being object of love. All of the avatars of the Lord are motivated by love, but Krishna is the very personification of of love, the act of love. Therefore, Uddhava, who's very wise, the wisest person in Dwarka, how do we know he was the wisest person in Dwarka? Because he was Krishna's advisor. Krishna would seek his counsel on how to deal with various issues in Dwarka, whether it be a military arrangement of the enemies planning their attack or daily dealings in the metropolis. Uddhava was his Brahminical counselor. Krishna was the Chitriya there, the prince. And Uddhava reflected on the Vrindavan Leela. He said, bakiyam kutam. Very wise. We should take his advice. He said, Who could be a better, more worthy person of surrendering to than Krishna? Who, when approached by Putana to poison him in his infancy through the guise of being a mother, the contrast between these two is very extreme. Going to kill the infant, that's bad enough, but in the guise of a mother as well. Horrible. And what did Krishna do? He gave her bhakti So it was saying, How can we in our right mind think of approaching surrendering to anyone else? Who could be a more worthy candidate? Who is more affectionately disposed? So in a sense although the higher we go on the theological ladder in terms of conception of God, we think the farther it is, and we make this point, it's a very high thing, such a high thing. Still it becomes very easy to approach him as well, because the higher we go, the higher the manifestation of love. And love is generous by its nature. We'll hear about this in this chapter, the generosity that the absolute is possessed of, that the devotees become vehicles for the expression of, and thus the Lord becomes indebted to them. Udara sarvaivati, he says, in describing the pious souls who approach him, they are all generous. Uddara means they are vehicles to which the Lord gets the opportunity to express his generosity, which is a necessity of love. Love has a necessity to express and share itself. And Krishna's love itself, personified, joy himself, the highest object of love, Radha, the supreme example of love, Radha Krishna. And Radha Krishna means Sri Krishna Chaitanya Radha Krishna Nahe Anya. So if we look so closely at Radha and Krishna, then we have to come to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, And Madhurya becomes Audardya. The Madhurya means secret quarters. Svetadweep means the private island God has a private island. If you can think of a man in the Pacific Ocean, or where was that island you went and lived on? Tahiti. Tahiti. Someone owns a Tahitian island to themselves. You think, oh, well, he owns his own island. What goes on there? Who can say? And who will he allow in and who not? Not just anybody. It is called... Sveta also known as Golok, We should want to join Gopi's mission. Gopi's mission, what, what was their group? They didn't wait to see if their friends were coming when they heard the flute sound of Krishna. They heard the flute. What does Krishna say? They heard the flute and it entered their heart. They heard their own names. Each one in the fifth note heard their own name. Pa, fifth note. They heard in that their own name. They got a special kind of diksha. And they all went and they didn't wait to see if anybody else was going to come. And when they arrived there, they said, oh, you came too, and you came too, and you too. So this kind of group we want to be in, high-spirited. We may be in one group, we may be in another group. There are many sects today of Gaudi Vaishnavism, and that's not new. There have been since the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so many. Our group should be that group that we may formally be in one group, but substantially our group should be that sangha of those high-spirited people who want substance over the form, who have some courage to hear the flute sound of Krishna and go to that, follow that, just like on the sangha on the internet. So then so many people are on there from so many different groups because there we speak about what we all have in common. So we should try to gravitate towards that. Arjuna is wondering, it's valid, but when this comes in our mind, well, on whatever level, it sounds good, but there's only a few people doing that. And in 1982, when Sridhar Marsh was rejected by the Iskon society in Mayapur, Sridhar Marsh made the comment in uh, Nabhadvip, which is across the Ganges, Mayapur had th- maybe a thousand devotees there on the one side. And at Siddha Marjas lotus feet, there were maybe half a dozen, dozen people when he made the comment. And he said, um, and on that side there are thousands, and here we are only a few. But the implication was we have Krishna on our side, like Pandavas were, the smaller group, but Krishna was on their side, so we victorious. And actually there's more on that side. That is the Vibhuti, greater expanse, so many that from this side it doesn't appear to be the majority, that should not discourage us, uh, that we should wait to see, well, if it becomes the majority opinion, then I'll go along with it. In this world it will be always, even if the high court judges are wearing tea lock you won't get away from this principle, because on so many levels, as I say, we have to join this, and again join. should Dhamur, should say acceptance and elimination. This is what calls our progress. At one point, we have to accept some understanding of a particular verse, and then we have to go to a deeper understanding. And that verse in one part in Bhagavad-gita Krishna says, just do your duty. At the end of Bhagavad-gita Krishna says, give up all your duties. So even if the whole country, the whole world accepts Krishna's two Bhagavan swayam still, on what level people accept and understand this and apply that, There'll be gradation. So you cannot get away from that gradation. There'll be so many Kanishadikaris, then there'll be some Madhya Madhikaris, and then there'll be a few Uttamadhikaris. So we cannot get a, avoid this principle. When we want to make progress and go ahead, and if we can hear the flute sound of Krishna calling us, Sarvadharman Prithajamam, Amekam, Sharanam Raja, come to me when we can hear that, and we should listen for that. We should listen to the talk, try to hear something that's relevant to me and my necessity for progress. This is prashna, what we call submissive inquiry. We shouldn't inquire just to gratify our intellect, but sincerely to make progress. Therefore, Prabhupada used to say, I only had one question of my Guru Maharaj. How can I serve? So this should be the spirit. And when we hear that, we know, yes, that. As they say, that hit home, as an English saying, that hit home. Home is in the heart. And you can speak and touch the heart, hit home, that's a home-knowing person. And for home-going, home-knowing person is required. And where is that home? It's not outside of ourself. Mm -hmm. As we said before, it's in the heart. Guru (coughs) Antaryami, Krishna Kaviraj Goswami taught us, Guru is Antaryami, Chaita Guru. Appearing Bhaktishechta, outside before us, as the best devotee. It means the Guru is our very own heart, manifesting before us, our own highest prospect and hope in life, what we could be, all that we could be, coming before us. In such a kind way, what in our heart of hearts we would like to be, when we sit quietly and think, even if we can't fully think it out theologically, We don't know all the details of philosophy. A sincere person, spiritual seeker, will sit and think, what would I like to be? The guru is a manifestation of that, come before us to exemplify that. So it's not a foreign external imposition upon us. In Western society, they they tend to think like this, to make you thoughtless and uh, rule over you. Yes, but only as much as we want our heart to rule over us. Therefore, there should be this kind of Heart connection between guru and disciple. It's not a law, but it, other than the law of love. We were, myself and, and my, most of my god brothers and god sisters, a quite a uh, rebellious lot of, of people at the time in which Prabhupada came. How could we come to conform to the rules of bhakti? Because they were being administered by someone with a heart of love and affection. Actually, this is our path. Ragh Bhakti is the path of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, if you are to make any rules for society that's principle is, is teaching about love, first of all, what can you teach about love? <laughs> it's, it's not possible to teach love. You have to experience it. You can say so much about it theoretically. And if the society is about love, for example, like, a iskcon society or any gaudi Vaishnava society must be, then what will be the rules by which it will be guided? You see, rules are a breakdown of love. If you and I live in the same room together, and we're getting along, but after a while, it's like you keep the lights on after 10 o'clock, and I take rest at 9, and I play the radio in the morning when I get up loudly, and you sleep till 11. After a while, then our idiosyncrasies Eccentricities start to rub on one another so the love is breaking down so then we make some rules and we write them on the wall like 10 rules we agree to this 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 and this we'll follow this and we can stay together and still be roommates so those laws are kind of a breakdown of love love means actually no laws but if there are any laws any rules by which a society based on love should be governed what are they What were Prabhupada's two rules? Who can say? He said that our society should be guided by two things, love and trust. That's all. Some years ago when I founded this small organization to facilitate my preaching outside of ISKCON, you bought some properties and I thought, let me put them in somebody else's name, some of the students and helpers rather than my own. Because if they ever want to turn against me and the properties are in my name, what's the purpose anyway? (laughs) Might might as well have them. I'll go somewhere else, another property. In other words, if there's not that kind of love and trust, then what's the value? So this should uh, come to rule our lives. This should be the principle on which we associate with one another. Love and trust, we are pursuing this highest ideal. The rules are meant only to fulfill that. As I said before, we have to know the rules well enough to know when to break them. Otherwise, we don't know when they don't apply. Every rule has an exception. If we don't know them well enough to know when to break them, then we're just simply stuck following some rules. And when we have to go around them or adjust them because circumstances warrant it, but we don't know them well enough, then we don't progress. And progress is what we want. Daily, we want progress in spiritual life. We have to listen with this in mind. And when we hear what we need to hear, and we know, that's speaking to me, we have to go there. We have to embrace that. Why we don't make progress is because we hear and we know, that means me. But then we don't embrace it. And then after some time, enough of that, the talk becomes boring because I've worked out a system for rationalizing away what I really need to hear, and I'm going on kind of automatically, lifelessly. Really, pariprashnena this spirit of submissive inquiry, means, I heard that, and it's right, and it pertains to me. Now I make it part of my life. Then we can expect another installment to come down. But if we're ignoring so many things that are pertinent to my necessity for progress, how can we expect to understand higher truth? And that is a whole idea, in a generic sense of the term sahajya, that bhakti siddhanta sasadi That's how he used to use it. And when we hear what's pertinent to my necessity for making progress, I hear, like I say, the, poetically, the flute sound of Krishna is calling me over there. i cannot say, well, you know, you told me to come over here, Krishna. <laughs> I went to all this trouble, I went on this side. Now you're over there. No, we just have to go there. Rupa Goswami says, In Nilman, he said, Love moves in a crooked way, like a snake. Not in a straight way. Love moves in a crooked way. I don't like you. Means I love you. In love. In the language of love. I don't like you anymore. We find this lover's quarrel. And any objective party, third person, sees the two lovers quarreling. He laughs. He's not going to get involved, try to sort out the quarrel, because he knows it's just a, an indirect expression of their affection for one another. Therefore, it's called lover's quarrel. So we find this Radha Krishna love affair is full of quarreling. Gopis say, we don't even want to hear his name, that fellow, black snake, Krishna. <laughs>
0: hmm?
1: Don't even mention his name. And they keep saying it, but if we look and see, they can't stop talking about him. They can't stop talking about that. Krishna, womanizer, unfaithful <laughs> so many things. And they're remaining constantly faithful if we study carefully their talk. So love moves in a crooked way, it means also to us in our life as sadhaka. Krishna may come on this side, he may come on that side. As I said, we may be in this group, we may be in that group. And there are so many groups. But all of us, from whatever formal group we're in, we should be members of a bigger, larger group, When Gopis heard the flute sound, they didn't wait to see who was coming. They all went. And when they arrived there, they Oh, you came too. And you also. And you heard it as well. This should be our group. High-minded persons who want to make progress in spiritual life. Nowadays, there's so many things in the air to distract us. We should try to be focused on what we'll call our progress. You know, it's a funny thing because I've been around and around the block with this thing, as far as who speaks about it and what they say about it, and studied so many books and so forth. And in one sense, it all comes back to, I can see the beauty of Prabhupada's simplistic presentation. The nature of my presentation is a little bit sophisticated sometimes. This morning when some of you came, the disciples of Sripad Parmadvati Maharaj, and were singing, and I could hear you sing, and I was thinking, Maharaj Maharaj's own you were hearing his bhajan tape the other day, and he has his unique style of, of singing and so forth. And it's very unsophisticated in a lot of ways, very simple, and not very gaudiya, traditional, and so forth. But if you know him, then you can feel his heart there, and you meet his disciples and see how they chant Hare Krishna so nicely, with their hearts so simply and purely. It so much reminds me of, of Prabhupada and Guru Parmanueti. His campaign is so wide and so broad collecting up so many people. They're all very simple-hearted and ready to serve and hear in Chanda about Krishna. It reminds me of and what we were like in the earlier days. And then if you come, go through the philosophy in so many details and learn so many aspects, and it all comes back around to this. Prabhupada gave a very simple program. Go to the Mongol Arctic, Chanchapa, and you can find... Go across the board and go and interview any of Prabhupada's disciples, men, women alike. They'll tell you there was a time when they went to Mangal chanted 16 rounds, couldn't wait to hear the class. After hearing the class, couldn't wait to hear another one, do kirtan, do, do seva, and all. But they didn't know anything, or very little, I'd say, about Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And the older Gaudiya's would look at them and say, they really don't know very much. But if they left it at that, they would be ignoring it. But they really feel something. <laughs> They've got some feeling for this at this point. And if we make them more learned and give them better understanding and so forth, it will only be fruitful if they use that and plug that understanding into that simple formula of practicing. So After all these years of going so many places, and all to me it all comes back to this. It's very simple. Chant Hare Krishna, and then as Prabhupada would say, chant Hare Krishna, chant and be happy. So we should be focused on, and he kept us like this, he kind of tried to help us avoid uh, controversy, and stay focused on the primary business of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, hearing and chanting. We should try to stay focused on that and keep company of those who are focused on that. That should be our group, regardless of what group we may formally have be involved in. In other words, there may be people in your own group who are an undesirable company and people in another group whose company is desirable from a spiritual point of view. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur was not shy to critique his own tradition. We should not be shy to critique our own mission, our own self. We should invite criticism. that will strengthen us. When Saraswati Thakur made the diorama of a Brahmin using a shalagram as a nutcracker to say, these smartas, they're worshipping the shalagram What's in their heart when they do their worship is, we just want to make a living out of this. Make sure we get our meal. Like you can find so many people that set up a temple just for a business. Hey, it's good business. There's people coming from the West and they're interested in this. They like Krishna. Let's make a Krishna temple right here. Let's put it right on the Parikram. I'll spend good money to get right on the Parikram for the expensive land. And they do this. It's quite common. So he's saying that at the time when he was preaching these smartas, Basically, they've got a monopoly on religion. They're giving mantras and blessings and so forth and making a living like this. They're not really giving any spiritual substance. So graphically, he said it like this. They're taking the shalagram, which is a stone, and using it as a nutcracker. Their worship constitutes that. Though they're offering the mantras and flower and everything, what's behind it is not anukul, it's not bhakti. Man goes before the deity... Oh, Krishna, someone says so many nice things, offers some rupees. and But in his heart, he says, I want this, I want that. Give me this, give me that. Isn't that bhakti? And Mother Yasoda, what is she doing? Chasing him with a stick. And we look at that. doesn't look like bhakti. It's supposed to be favorable. How can that be bhakti? But what is in her heart? Why she chased him? Why she wanted to tie him up? Because she was afraid. Oh, I've raised my voice and chastised him. He may run away to tie him up so he'll stay here. When when he realized that, oh, he allowed himself to be tied. Oh, bhakti is... We have to look beneath the surface to understand what is bhakti. When bhakti Siddhanta Thakur was taken to court by the smartas, this is only in India, this kind of thing, which is charming in a way, they said, you cannot say that. And when he made his point, they couldn't deny. But then they said, well, your people, Gaudiya people, you can go to some they're also doing this in some places. He said, that's right, so put Gaudiya Tilak on him, on the diorama. And they were defeated. So he's not shy to critique his own tradition. He said, that's right, there are plenty of Gaudiya Vaishnavas that are just making a business out of this too. So we should be of this character. Do we want to make progress? Satam, this is a the definition of devotee, satam Honest Sincere Nahi Krishna assures Arjuna In the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita When he wonders What if I leave the karma marg I won't go to heaven And I take this yoga marg And I'm unsuccessful And I won't get the fruit of that either I'll be nowhere He says, don't worry You'll get everything by this. Tata means like affectionate, like my son. Don't worry, my son. Dear one. What does he say? One who is sincere this is the way Shri used to render it. Sincerity is invincible. This should be our guiding principle. Sincerely yours. <laughs> Krishna. <laughs> Write a letter to Krishna. And sincerely yours. They will always be fruitful. So, satam means this kind of integrity, truthful, honest, don't try to be a great devotee, be a good devotee, and nirmatsaranam, without envy. Don't be envious. If you find someone can help you, take advantage. How much help do we need? We should think, as much as I can get. And when we hear, as I'm saying, something that pertains to us, we should follow that and make progress then it will always seem it sounds good theoretically but it will require some cost something from this side will have to be left behind like i said arjun here is wondering what you say is really wonderful just surrender to me and this durataya difficult to Overcome material nature that has your divine backing behind it will be crossed over very easily. Again, this is Krishna speaking. Ma me means only me. The higher we go on the theological ladder, the more generous God becomes. He's saying it's very easy if you surrender to me. It'll be harder if you surrender to this avatar or that avatar. For Me, it'll be even easier. So Arjuna wonders, why isn't everybody doing this? This makes a lot of sense what you're saying. I'm convinced, but why doesn't everybody do it? As if to say, if they would, then I would I would also do it. We shouldn't be held back by this kind of reservation, thinking, why doesn't everybody else come? If it's that good, the point is, maybe there's some defect in other people. So Krishna will next explain four types of defective people who don't surrender to him. The fault is not in Krishna. So when we hear... Oh, I I should go there. Krishna's saying this to me. But it looks like, but if I go, then what will I have to leave something behind? My friends aren't coming along. Now I have so much facility here if I go. One fellow told me once, I was, I had heard what Sridhar Maharaj was saying, and so I said, I have to go there. And then this fellow told me, it was a sannyasi, he said, Maharaj, I was like, had my bags packed, he said, if you go there, Sridhar Maharaj is very old, and sick, and he can die at any minute. And once you go there, he says you have a pukka perfect reputation in iskon as a sannyasi and a preacher and so forth. You're poised, you know, to to get uh, you know some of Prabhupada's inheritance over here. You want to get a zone, some temples, and you know, a lot of followers can come from. It's a big mission. People just walk in the door. You know, Prabhupada set it up. If you leave, your reputation will be shh, ruined. You'll be cut out of the whole inheritance of Prabhupada. And you go to all the way to that side and may leave shortly thereafter. This was his reasoning. Where will you be? I said, I will be out of here. <laughs> as soon as I can. I said, this is what this goes about. Not that everybody thinks like that, but I don't want anything to do with it. If I said, if I go there today, fly on the plane, and I hear that he passed before I got there, I'm better off by going and doing what I know in my heart to be the right and the spiritual thing to do. And I guarantee, oh, you are told, there's something on the other side that's more tangible than all of the things that you're, like the carrot that you're waving before me. It has no substance. <laughs> that can't support us. There's firm ground on that side. You think that those who have turned their back, great devotees in Bhagavatam, like Prahlad, and the Sringandeva asked him, take something, take something, take something. Please. In so many ways, he's trying to convince him. Prahlad says, no, 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 I don't want anything, I don't want anything. Amikichu Chayna, ami kichu Chayna. I don't want anything, I don't want anything. And God's trying to Test him. Sure you want something. If we're Prahlada's example of Shuddhavakti in Bhagavatam. We have to come to this point. I don't want anything. Only Krishna. And we find he has such firm ground to stand on, Prahlad and so many others. We should have some confidence in that. We should seek to validate that what we've heard when the opportunity arises to exercise ourselves in relation to the flute sound of Krishna and surrender. And we get some validation. There's something here. We can find, we can live alone, we can sit in the one room, but it will only appear externally that we are alone. As I said, this is the Tripadva vibhuti The majority is on this side. But it will always be a minority opinion in this world. And again, even if the whole world embraces, yes, Krishna is God, still there will be so many gradations and levels of acceptance of that. So don't wait for everybody. If you hear it, go there. Embrace it. Siddha used to say, God save me for my friends. We may have to say this sometimes. <laughs> it's possible. So in this way, the reservation of Arjuna here, in a sense, this is wonderful, I accept this. You've explained your ontological position as the source of the whole world, the marginal and uh, to test the Shakti and uh, uh, Maya Shakti, by which the world's made up. These are just your Shaktis you're behind the whole thing. all oh, Everyone under the modes of nature, you're above it. In so many ways here, you've explained in brief your vibhutis, your manifestations of yourself in the world. And now you're telling, just by surrendering unto you, the whole thing can be crossed over, and I can know the fact, although you're sitting here as my chariot driver, you are the actual the source of everything. I can know it very easily. such a hard thing to understand. My only question is, why doesn't everybody do this? So, Christian will answer, we'll hear about that next. But there are some people that just don't get it. <laughs> so, any questions? Okay,
0: so, uh, what is the difference, we can say that the difference between uh, Madhurya and Audaria is, in, in Audaria, Madhurya is distributed. Is it the only difference or there
1: another difference? Only difference. Like I said, if you go on the theological ladder, higher and higher and higher, then, in one sense, the higher you go, the less approachable it seems. Such a high thing. But because the latter is one of love, the higher you go, because love has a necessity to share itself, the more generous that conception of God becomes. So when you go very deeply within Krishna-lila, to the zenith in Rasa-lila, you find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Krishna's desire to understand the love of the gopis, which is superior to him. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu manifests there. This is at the heart of Madurja. It becomes Audarja. Audarja means magnanimous, distributing itself. So, therefore, Why should we approach anybody else? Krishna is so generous. Putana put poison on the breasts, <clears throat> come as a nurse to kill him. And he gave her Matsalya rasa. If you can imagine. That's why Krishna says, saying, Mami, just me, not any even any other avatar, surrender to me. That will be the easiest way to cross over Maya because Braj-bhakti, at its heart, is most generous. Although it's secret, private, aham bhaje seta dvipai tamaham goloku mitiyam, the private island of God, inaccessible, unknown in Vaikuntha, practically. If we go to the highest point in there, we come to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and it becomes audarya, Giving itself, love has a necessity to distribute itself, to share itself.
0: Uh, but you also said that the Gopis are going along to Krishna. They are not taking care. If you are going or you are worried. So how we will can harmonize with this? This
1: was Well, it's not that we don't want anybody else to come along. The point is, if nobody else is prepared to come, that's not going to stop us from going. We want everyone to come. And that we also find is the nature of love. Love wants to share itself. So we try to share it with everybody, but then we find out some people just aren't interested in this. And then I have to be keep it to myself or share it only with those who are speaking the same language. We want everyone to come, but if they don't, it's not going to stop us from going. That is the idea. Yes? When what? The eternal Gaur Lila. That is the supreme manifestation of magnanimity, Mahabodhna Avatar. We can't say that Krishna's vraj manifesting here, is entirely without magnanimity. So that quality is also there in Krishna Lila. But that quality of magnanimity is taken to the extreme. When it's taken to the extreme. In Mandarilila it becomes Audardya, Goranga Mahaprabhu, distributing himself everywhere in madness.